0: You'll get, this. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be, it won't be quick. Won't be but, God but God will use this mess for good. For good. For good. For good. For good. In, the meantime, In the meantime, don't be foolish, don't be foolish or, naive, or, naive, or naive, but don't despair either. Don't despair with, God's help, with God's help, with God's help, with God's help, you will, you will. I, will. I will, she will, they will, they will get, get through, 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 through this. this. You may be seated. I want to welcome you again. It's our sixth week, and we have something special that's going to happen today. We're going to finish our story with Joseph, and you've been with us the last six weeks. We watched Joseph have a dream. We watched Joseph share a dream. And we watched Joseph go from the pit to the prison. Now he's the prime minister in the palace. And the story we're going to cover today, we watched how Joseph was the needy person. And he needed a lot of attention and a lot of love and he needed food and all those things. And we see that the story flips, that that Joseph becomes the one who is supplying the food and the need to his brother's. And what we're going to do, we're going to start in chapter 45, going through verses 1 through 8. We're going to see a flip in the story, give you a little backdrop on that. We know that Joseph last week, when we talked about his brother showed up and he put him to the test. And we we talked about how he had to be so so much emotion. He tried to bury his past and his past came running back to him after 20 years. That was his brother showing up. And then they left for a little while to go home after they had to leave one of their brothers there. And they came back with his younger brother, Benjamin. And it was a few months because their dad was not going to let Benjamin come with them because dad favored Benjamin like he favored Joseph because he had a favorite wife named Rachel. So, and the marvelous thing about this story is God took a dysfunctional family and made them a nation. So there's hope for all of us. Let's look at Joseph here. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him. When Joseph made himself known to his brothers, he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? He just discovered that his dad was still alive, Jacob. But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me. Circle that. Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you have sold me here, Here's the incredible confession here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Number one, for the famine had been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there'll be another. Ne- there'll be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me, this number two, before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, to keep alive for you many survivors. So there was not you who sent me. But God said it three times. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler of the land of Egypt. And you'll see Joseph when he went from despair going into the pit. All these years, seeing his brothers 20 something years later. And he finally broke. Because of the emotions that were running through his through his heart. But something shifted in Joseph. He went from the victim to become the victor. And something really shifted while he was in the pit and while he was in the prison. He noticed the sovereignty of God. That though these things might happen to me, he realized and recognized that God made these things happen because there was a higher purpose for me to serve. And I don't know, but sometimes you seem like you're going through something. But sometimes you have to really get with the Father when he said, come to me and find out what is the higher purpose of why I'm going through this. And you'll see that, yes, God does not create evil, but he will use evil, which is the the tile of the day, and turn it into good. Sometimes it's just hard to stay long enough to figure that out because things seem to get intense. But I noticed one thing in leadership, the greater the responsibility sometimes the greater the pain to go through. And in churches, we don't talk about suffering in Christ because we want to have we want to be comfortable. But God wants to create comfort and make it compassionate. And he turns evil into good. And Joseph's brothers show up after all this time. Joseph said three times. But Joseph realized he was the vehicle that God was going to use to save a people. Now, the last time you read, the last time I checked, the New Testament had a person like that. also. Jesus was that vehicle to bring salvation to us. So you look at Joseph, his brothers, really, are a typing picture of mankind. And Joseph is a typing picture of Jesus because they were confused they know they have they sinned against their brother and they needed what forgiveness and there's a new testament picture of grace being dispensed from the throne room of the king they didn't realize their brother was on the throne a family member was on the throne See, so when you're going through something, guys, you got to remember, Jesus is on the throne. And he didn't realize that. They realized that. What's the most important things that they, Joseph saw that in their hearts? When you're going through something, fear and confusion can overwhelm you. But he said this, come near to me. I see you're confused. I see you're, you're, I see you're fearful of your circumstance. First, you're starving to death, and you're worried about what I'm going to do to you. You ever see when we first came to God, we were worried about being judged versus receiving grace? He said, come to me. That's God's pattern when you look at the Bible. All the way from the garden, when Adam and Eve Kind of messed up. Not kind of, they did mess up. And God came down in the garden in the cool of the day to meet them, say, Come to me. Where are you? They were hiding. Same pattern about God. It's about grace and love and forgiveness. That's why the story is amazing and you get the end of it. Joseph was the little brother with nothing. Now he became the older brother dispensing grace, love, and forgiveness and they became the ones in need you ever go through something it seems like you are very needy in the beginning and then God turns it and now you're the one that someone comes to you with that same need a few months later you're the one dispensing grace about you'll get through this it's going to be okay it's how God does it he realized he became the trophy for God's grace When you look at Joseph and the parallels between him and Jesus, you'll see some things. Joseph's dad truly loved Joseph. God, the father, truly loved Jesus. Joseph, when we talked about some of the things, he actually was tempted but did not sin. Christ was tempted and did not sin. Joseph was sold for 20 shekels of silver. Jesus was sold for 30. It's a typing picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who's now in the throne in the heavenly realms. Joseph was in the throne of Egypt. But I want to cover one thing and share one thing with you in a testimony. Now I'm going to have Miss Donna come up. Y'all know my, my bride, who I love dearly. I'm going to get her set up in there. She's been teaching all weekend. The ladies had a great time here. And some of the ladies, yes. Yeah, have uh, two of the ladies back. Why don't you all stand up? Joe and Ms. Dean, stand up. You guys helped out and decorated everything. Amazing time. And you guys turned our checkerboard room into a, I love it. Don't anyone, anybody to touch it. Confusion. Fear can happen to anybody when you're going through a tough time. And what I want to share with you to end out, uh, we have one more testimony that we're going to do with Elder Terry in a couple of weeks when he's speaking. And um, I'm going to talk about him a little bit today because he's part of this story also. But I want to share something that me and Ms. Donna went through a few months ago and uh, fear, confusion, All the emotions that you can imagine came rushing at us. So I'm going to have her go through it because she's statistics. She knows the the timelines, and she knows how to bring it right on in the right way because that's why we're such a great team. I'm this, and she's precise. (laughs) Now, now he gives you a microphone. See, I wasn't even thinking. She was going to tell me, get a microphone.
1: And so how many people know that when we're weak, God is strong? He is always going to be our strength if we trust in him. In uh, 2007, Richard found out that he had a condition called diverticulosis. We were walking in our neighborhood, and he kept having a pain in his side. And I finally told him, no, you're going to the doctor. And uh, he went to the doctor, and they gave him a referral to a gastroenterologist. And um, they found out that he had this condition. What it is really is uh, it's pockets in the wall of your colon. And so he had to have a colonoscopy. And for those of you who don't know, they put you to sleep when you have a colonoscopy. Um, But it's a rectal exam. Okay? What y'all laughing um, for? Yeah, I know. (laughs) And if you're 50 or older and you haven't had one, go get one.
0: Can't wait. (laughs) Come pray. I'll come. That's
1: that's serious.
0: I'll pray for Uh, you. Just kidding.
1: uh,
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Okay,
1: Okay. so um, after he found out he had that condition, you have to go back every so often and be checked. Well, on April uh, the 11th of this year, Richard wasn't feeling well. And we thought it was a problem with his colon, again, the diverticulosis. And so he finally went to the doctor on base. And the doctor on base gave him a referral to his gastroenterologist because of his past history. Um, Because when we actually went to um, the doctor and they found out he had those pockets, they told him he had to have a special diet. And so when I go to the grocery store now, it takes me probably twice as long as it takes other people. Because I have to check everything that I'm buying to ensure that it doesn't have any seeds in it. And he can't have things like popcorn um, that he loved. He can't have strawberries anymore anything that has any kind of seeds in it because those seeds will lodge themselves into your colon, and they'll create those pockets, and those little pockets are called polyps. So um, he gets this referral to the doctor, and he goes to the doctor on May the 9th. And, of course, they, they give him another colonoscopy. Now, I'm not going to say the names of the doctors because I don't want to promote one doctor over the other. That's, that's not what we're here to do. We want to show you what, um, the grace of God, and we want to talk about how good God is and, and what he did for us. Okay? So I will, I will tell you the type of doctor, but I will not say their names. So he goes to the uh, gastroenterologist, and he has a colonoscopy. And when they uh, perform this procedure, the doctor will come out and talk to the person that is with you. And so the doctor came out and talked to me and showed me some photos. And he said that Richard had had a polyp that he had attempted to remove, but it bled too much, and so he wasn't able to remove the whole thing. So he was going to give us a referral to a doctor, a surgeon, to have this polyp removed. So great. Um, So we had to come back in two weeks. I'm thinking, okay, now we got to go have surgery. Well, our son was graduating from college in June. This is May now, and our son was graduating from college in June. And So we were, I was getting a little bit concerned, and of course Richard was still uh, asleep. He hadn't woken up yet. So the doctor gives me the pictures of the uh, procedure, and he sets me up with uh, this doctor that I'm, we're supposed to call and, and talk to. Well, in the midst of that, we had a trip that was planned by uh, our pastor, Pastor Kevin York, who's the founder of this church, for us to come up to the Every Nation headquarters in Tennessee because he wanted us to meet all of the staff and to make sure that we knew how the Every Nation staff could help us. So we leave on May the 12th through the 15th, and we go to Tennessee. And so we're in Tennessee, and the phone keeps ringing. Um, It's Richard's doctors, nurses, the gastroenterologists, nurses are calling and they want us to come to another appointment, but it's shorter than the two weeks that had originally been given to us. Well, we already had an appointment on paper. And so I began to get a little bit concerned because why are the nurses calling? We already have an appointment set up. So what's going on? Well, finally, they actually got through while we were not in a meeting because the whole time we were up there, we just simply went from meeting to meeting, ate lunch and went to other meetings. And so they got through when we were in the hotel, changing our our clothes, getting ready to go to dinner. And uh, that time, Richard actually had an opportunity to talk to the nurse. And so we got set up for an appointment when we came back. But um, while that began, um, you know, I began to think and, and I had to fight off a spirit of fear. And I just remembered Second um, Timothy 1 and 7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I said, I'm, I'm going to do what we're here to do before I start worrying about anything. I'm going to trust God and, and you know even though I had this book since last year on my birthday. So I've had this book. September was a year you'll get through this. Um, I knew that God was going to be with us through whatever it was we were going through. But I got to tell you the truth. I knew in my heart that something wasn't right. And I didn't know what it was. And so, like I say, I was getting a little bit concerned. but, um, But at the same time, trusting God too, you know, just trusting God. And so... Uh, we, We continued on our trip. We came back on the 15th, and then on the 20th, we went to the office. We went to the gastroenterologist's actual office. Now, I'm sitting in the office, and on the right, there is this photo, and we're waiting our turn. There's this photo, and the photo looks like the picture that the doctor gave me when he cut out part of the polyp. Um, he left the other part of the polyp there that he was not able to get because of the bleeding. And so um, I'm looking at this picture on the wall, and it looks like this picture that I have in my purse. And I'm not saying anything to anyone. It's just Richard and I. And Richard was actually at the station talking to the nurse. She was getting his information for, for him to go in. And um, I'm thinking, what, what is the deal here? What is going on? And um, the enemy will try to come in and start talking to you and tell you all kind of crazy things. You know what I mean? Like, oh, um, you got cancer or oh, this or that, you know, and you don't know what's going on. But the Bible says that the Lord will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is stayed on him. And so this whole time, that scripture in Isaiah just kept coming to me and coming to me. And, And it's a scripture that I love and that I follow anyway. So we go in the back, and we have to sit for an hour and wait for the doctor. And we're actually in his little waiting room. And he comes in. And, again, this is the gastroenterologist. And he comes in. And um, he says, he, he talks to us for a little while because he's been out. He actually had cancer. And uh, he was out um, for a while because, because of his cancer. And so um, a couple of years, actually. A couple of years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so he comes in and he talks to us, and he asks Richard, he's sitting down and he's sitting across from Richard, and I'm sitting next to Richard on, on his right side, and he asks Richard, how's he doing? And Richard says, good. And uh, he says, no, you're not. You have cancer. Bam. Just like that. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't, um, like, you know, beat around the bush. He just said, no, you're not. You have cancer it felt like somebody hit you in the gut. You're like, what? And Richard just looked at him. Now, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm a realist, and I had prepared my heart and my mind to hear those words. And so I had a little book with me in my purse and I had all these questions because I had begun to do all this research. I mean, there's just who I am, okay? Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm a logistics coordinator. I, I can pick up <laughs> Dias Air Force Base and put it anywhere in the world. And so my, that's my job. That is my day-to-day job. And so that's how I think. So I, um, I had this book, and I began to ask the doctor questions. And Richard was just sitting there. And then he began to join into the conversation. Well, the doctor was phenomenal because he immediately got on his phone, called his doctor because, like I said, he had colon cancer, so he calls his doctor, and his doctor doesn't answer the phone, so he calls his doctor again, and he calls his doctor again, and he calls his doctor's nurse, and he calls his doctor's nurse again. Somebody going to answer this phone because I'm yeah. going to get this man an appointment. Well, we have TRICARE. TRICARE can be slow, yeah, but um, not this time. You know, I don't know what this guy... I don't know um, if it was a combination of the fact that he was um, persistent and um, the fact that God was on our side because there was no doubt in my mind that the whole time we were going through this, God was on our side and that God was with us. You know, you you can operate in that spirit of fear and you can listen to those voices or you can listen to the voice of God. Sometimes the Lord wants to move the mountain and sometimes he wants you to scale it. Yeah. You, but if you don't ask him, you don't know. Yeah. If you don't go to him, you don't know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And what we did know was that we needed to listen to the voice of God. You will get through this. You know, it may not be painless and it may not be quick, but you will get through it. Yeah. And so he he gets us a referral. The nurse finally calls back, and then also the told doctor us too
0: hmm? about the bag.
1: Yeah. The doctor calls back. He tells us after he talks. To oh him. yeah. The doctor calls back and he says. Um, <laughs> See, (laughs) The doctor calls back and he says, I was eating my lunch. And so this now is, this is the oncologist. And so he was eating his lunch. And so um, he calls back and he talks to uh, the gastroenterologist. And he then um, tells the gastroenterologist what procedure he needs to do based on the fact that... um, The gastroenterologist has told him what the problem is. Well, then the gastro gets off the phone, and he begins to tell us that Richard needs to have a portion of his colon removed and that he will have a colostomy bag on the outside that he will have to wear. And I see a lady shaking her head yes that she knows what I'm talking about. Um, That he'll have a colostomy bag that he'll have to wear for a while. And uh, the gastro didn't say how long, but um, he talked about how you go to the bathroom and what you do and different things because he had had one for over a year. And so um, we listened to this. We go outside and we get in the car. And then um, we we kept the windows up in the car because there was a lady out there and we're sitting in the car and we, for a minute, don't say anything to each other. We just kind of breathe. And then I said to him, I feel like I just got hit in the gut. He said, yeah, me too. And so I said to him, I'm not ready to lose you. And I said, so what are we going to do? He said, well, I guess we'll do whatever it is we have to do. That was all I wanted to hear. Because I'm always ready for a good fight. If that is what if that's what god has for me then i'm gonna get up for it if you don't get up for what the lord has for you then the devil's gonna beat you up that is just the bottom line if god calls you to do something and you don't meet it head on well guess what you're gonna hear the voices of the enemy you're gonna have naysayers telling you everything bad that could possibly happen you're gonna hear everything but the voice of the lord so if he has a battle that he's got you going through guess what It's not just your battle. The battle is the Lord's, and he's going to win it for you. And we knew that. We knew that he would fight this battle for us. And so we just got ready. There was one thing I was concerned about, and that was, once again, our son graduating because it was a month before he was supposed to graduate from college, and we were heading to California to see this graduation and to be there with our son. And so, um, of course, he was the first person we needed to share it with, and then the second person was our pastor, Pastor Kevin. And so we talked to Sterling um, and we decided in the car what, you know, what we would tell him because we didn't know a lot. And, and what do you tell your child when you don't really know what to tell your child and they're in another state and they love you to death and you love them to death? And so you have to know what to tell them and, and what uh, and how to do that. And so we decided what we would tell Sterling and how we would tell him. And so we talked to him on the phone, and, Mm -hmm. of course, um, it hit him like a ton of bricks. And he wanted to come back, but he was working on his thesis, and it was almost done. And we did not want him to to not graduate. I mean, how do you go that far, and then you don't graduate? And so we told him, you stay there. We will tell you everything that's going on. Well, um, we see the oncologist. And the oncolo- we tell the oncologist that our son is graduating from college. And he says, no, I want you to go to that. You'll be fine. He goes, we'll wait. You'll be fine. But he says, I want to set you up with some appointments. So, um, and, and let me back up for just a second. When we go over to the oncologist's office, when I i tell you about TRICARE. TRICARE was amazing. I just got to praise God for his hand over that um, that whole system and everybody that was involved because when we went to the oncologist's office, the uh, referral paperwork wasn't there yet that morning. But we filled out some paperwork, and then we had to go back in the afternoon, and the referral paperwork came in while we were there. Um, so he sets Richard up with all these appointments and, and just an ungodly amount of tests and things. And everything um, that has to be done has to be recorded because it needs to be done in a certain way, and so um, we uh, we get all these appointments, and um, <laughs> we have to go to Abilene Regional Medical Center for bone scan. We go there; that's a two-part um, appointment, by the way. So we go there, and they inject him with blood. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, dye. dye. They inject him with dye into his blood, and then you leave. And you go eat, and you do whatever it is you're going to do, and then you go back. And they put you through this test. Well, we meet a neighbor. The guy who's doing the test is our neighbor yeah. <laughs> that we had never met. And um, he says, where do you live on, on Chigger's trip? Where do you live? And then we start talking to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I live two streets up and blah, blah, blah. And so he goes, well, I don't like meeting you like this, but took great care of us. You know, mm-hmm. favor everywhere you go. Favor with TRICARE. Favor with getting an appointment that quick. Um, Because we're talking about in the midst of like a week, a week, not even a week. It was like day after day after day we had appointments. And so I literally had to take off work all this time. So we have this bone scan. We're sitting there, and this elderly lady is at the oncology center, and she comes and sits next to me. And um, she's, I mean, when I say elderly, she was probably like maybe 85 at least, um, and she's all by herself. And this lady is on so many medications that she cannot even sit or, or hold her purse or get something out of her bag. And I say to her, um, she's talking about her husband, and I say, well, where is he? He's on the road, traveling, working. And I say, well, who are you here with? And then she says there is a, a lady who cleans her house that normally is with her, but the lady wasn't there that day. And so I just began to minister to her and, and, and just, you know, share the love of Christ with her. And then she got called in before. She said to us as she was going back in the back, she goes, um, who, which, one are you, which one of you are here? And I said, he is. And she looked over at him. She said, God bless you, honey. And she went back to see the doctor. Now our gastroenterologist has a team that he normally works with, and so he was trying to set Richard up with a particular surgeon. And for some reason, although we had so much favor with Tricare, um, we couldn't get with this particular surgeon, but we got with a different surgeon, and. Um, we kept trying, Richard kept calling up to the base and talking to, the, to our PCM, our primary care uh, manager at, at Dias, and mm-hmm. trying to get with this particular doctor, but we got this other guy, and for some reason, I just had a piece um, about this guy, and I thought, um, let's just go with him, but I didn't want to tell Richard that, you know, and so I said, well, what do you think about this guy? And he said, well, I think we should just go and see, you know, how it works out. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I do too. So we go to this oncologist. I mean, I'm sorry, we go to this surgeon, and um, we go to his office, and it's in Hendrick, and it's um, really a, a nice place, and it's just a piece the whole time we're there. We go in, and we talk to this guy, and there's just a piece, and he's really great, and he does an exam, and he's like, you know, um, I'm just going to call the gastro and see exactly where this polyp is that needs to be removed. And so we had told him about Sterling graduating and wanting to go see the graduation. And he was like, yeah, no, I want you to go to that. And everybody always said, I want you to go to that. I want you to go to that. I want you to go to that. So he goes out and he comes back and he says, yeah, um, I can do the surgery at this time. And he gave us a two-week period. And so he said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do it when you come back. Well, nobody wants to have cancer and have to wait like, a month to have surgery or whatever. You know, you want that thing taken care of now, you know? And so we walk outside to his office area at his nurse's station, and um, his receptionist and his nurse are there. And he looks over at Richard, and he says, um, I can do it tomorrow. We don't have a care referral. Yeah.
0: Hello? He goes,
1: uh, don't worry about it. We'll get it taken care of. Just... Here, you just fill out this paperwork, and the nurse starts handing us paperwork. You know, she's just like, okay, so so sign right here and sign right here. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. We're going to have surgery and uh, no care referral. God came through again. He will come through for you if you keep your mind stayed on him. This trial was not about us. It yeah. was about how uh, just how strong our faith was how much we trusted him, and through this whole thing, it was like, you know, God, you've got this. I'm, I'm not going to allow worry to come to me. I'm not going to allow fear. And it's a fight. Yeah. It's a fight. You yeah. will have a fight. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to allow fear to take over. I'm not going to tell you that your trial is not serious, that it is not hard, it is not difficult, it is not real. I'm not. I'm not trying to tell you that. I'm not trying to tell you that ours wasn't. But what I'm trying to tell you is that, our God is, is more powerful than any force in this world. And that when we trust in him, he delivers us. He is our deliverer constantly. He delivers us daily. And so we, we go downstairs to Hendrick, and they, you know, do the paperwork. The next day we show up in the morning, and um, we've got whatever they tell us to bring, and... and um, just long story uh, short there, I mean, everybody was phenomenal, but Hendrix has a system built by a logistics planner, I'm telling yeah. you. The medical logistics people built that thing because you sit there and it's color-coded and it tells you mm-hmm. where your family member is. So when they're in pre-op, they have a color. When they go into op, they have a color. When they come out, they have a color. And so I'm sitting there and... Talking to Pastor Kevin the whole time on the phone, um, That that's our pastor. We were ta- I was talking to him on the phone and, you know, telling him what was going on and how things were going. And the doctor called me on the phone while I was sitting there. And mind you, I sat there um, for hours. I brought something to eat. I was not going anywhere but to the bathroom, which was, and I, I situated myself at the TV that was by the bathroom so I could go to the bathroom, come back out, watch the TV, know where Richard was Strategic. so that if anybody called me, I knew where to go and, and I could get there immediately. And so um, the doctor calls me and tells me it was just a little polyp. The cancer was only in that little polyp. It's nowhere else. We ran these tests and he gives me all these medical terms and I'm writing them down and I'm making him explain them to me. And because I'm going back and look it up and make sure I understand. Okay. But one thing I want to know you're telling me there's no more cancer, no more. He's good. All clear. I was like, praise God. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of a couple of week period, we went through all of that. That was the that was a roller coaster ride, you know, because our son is calling us. Okay, how is it going? This and that, you know. Um, that is not something that you discuss with everybody. So if you're sitting here looking at us and saying, "Hey, I didn't know," you probably didn't need to know. There are some things love you to death, but there are some things that are not for you. You know, as leaders of the church. We could have really um, set you back and scared you because what's going to happen now? We've only been the pastors for what, going on three years? Yeah. Three years. You know, okay, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen to the church now? This is God's church. He said he will build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So if he puts somebody in charge, that is who he has. Um, for that time. And he's going to take care of us, but he will take care of you too. God is good. He is faithful. He is Mm -hmm. sovereign. He is on the throne and you can trust in him. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what the circumstances. It doesn't matter if you're all by yourself because he said he would never leave us. He would never forsake us and he never has.
0: Amen. 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 Yeah, they they gave me a, um, gave us a surgery on a Friday And I was sick all Friday, Saturday, and God gave me the grace to come up here. If you didn't know, that was that summer. When summer started, I had the guys put the bench down here because that's as far as I was going to make it. Uh, (laughs) So he gave me, preached on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the greatest things was when we went back to the oncologist because we still had to wait and see all the tests. And he was uh, Indian, and he said, "Um, I got to tell you, this was – amazing because usually and it was, it was a uh, colon and rectal cancer said, it's amazing that I see guys like you once every five years. Cause he related to breast cancer and to where their position was. Usually he said, usually it's not a good story. Yeah. And, and with his heart, I know he's, he's Indian. He says it was a blessing. <laughs> and I just knew that, yes, it was a miracle and God's grace. Yeah. Um, Everything we said, um, we're on the other side of that, in the middle of all that. We had transition going on. Um, we got the last results on the 12th of, uh, of June, and then I think it was, yeah. 12th of June. Mm-hmm. 12th of June. Mm-hmm. And then we came back here and had VBS and then got our cars crushed. <laughs> um, <laughs> you'll get through this. Amen. And we're still working the roof issue. Uh, but uh, we I just noticed one thing. It was just amazing that, Walking through it, two things. What was meant for evil, God turned for good. Um, Because we were coming off the cusp of doing our first mission trip in the last five, six years. And we were in a place talking about how we can't wait to take the church to the next level. And it wasn't two weeks after that, I got got hit. And uh, sitting with Elder Terry... Um, three weeks, I think, prior to that. Well, about a week after I found out something. And I told him, I said, man, you're going your direction. I'm going my direction. I remember so I said, God's going to use this man to encourage, uh, to encourage the church, but he's going to use us as those guys that got to go out front. And I said, I'll see you on the other side, man, because I know we're going to get through this thing. And um, through the whole process, I just decided to read a book of Joseph, about Joseph in Genesis and then I, after, toward the end, I just said, we're going to make this a series because I think that's what God needs to, he wants to talk to us about today, um, this in the fall. And I just remember, I told him, you know, when this is over, man, we're going to sit down again like we do every one, once a month on Wednesday. We're going to have our steak dinner <laughs> and we're going to celebrate God and his goodness. Yeah. I went through a short period. He went through a long period, but we knew God was in all the periods. And the two things I said, I wanted to encourage you. Same thing I know Joseph had to go through. And um, it said this, and the first one is, God turns evil into good. If you go to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 13, it kind of says how God used evil for our good. And so it was not only right that God who made everything for whom everything was made should bring his many children, that's us, into glory. Through suffering of who? God made him a perfect leader. If you look at that word perfect, it means pioneer. He was the author of salvation. One fit to bring, go back, brother, (laughs) one fit to bring them into their salvation. That's us. So now Jesus and the one he makes holy have the same what? If he didn't die on the cross, we wouldn't have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and his sisters. For he said to God, I will declare the wonder of your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among all your people. And he said to him, I will put my trust in him. In the same context, he said, here I am together with the children God has given me. Jesus suffered on the cross for us to become family. And just talking and and dialoguing with somebody, God, I pray that this series has gone on that you just didn't hear good stories. Because when you get hit with something, first you do, you don't, you don't mean to, but you check to make sure that you, you shot, you really are in with God. Even though you can be the preacher, you can, you let, am I okay? I mean, I want to make sure. And you don't mean to, but it happens. It hits you right in the face. I pray that this, at what you heard today, what you heard the last five weeks, that you will see that walking with God is deeper than a Sunday experience. Amen. That it's about surrendering our lives totally to him. He's our healer. And like the ladies did this week, and they nailed everything on the cross. My healing was nailed on that cross over 2,000 years ago. But it increased my faith. Thought I had faith in God? Thought I had some great faith. But Lord, did he grow scroll my faith? Was it comfortable? No. Is it comfortable working, wait, waiting for my, my, side, my sidekick to eat, eat steak? No. But it's going to bring many people, many people to the throne of God. It's going to bring many people into salvation with him. If you're on the cusp and I don't know who Jesus is, I pray that this whole series, even today, said he is a God that heals. He's a God that loves He's a God has grace. And it taught me as anything else. I am nothing without him. When I get up to celebrate, I'm celebrating the essence of Christ and me and his goodness. The second one is I had to keep Jesus at the center of my story. You can call a lot of people and cause panic. Could have called so-and-so, but they didn't need that. We had to deal with Terry. Even when we got in the car, we had a, a call from Robbie, and it wasn't about us. It's about my man. And it taught me about what we, what's going, we're going through right now has a greater impact than what we can imagine. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says this. This is Jesus. I told you earlier, right circle that thing down. Whenever you're going through something, God will take out everything, every support base by design, so you will only come to him. And that word come means follow, come, come to me, all who what? Labor or heaven laden. I'll give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, because I'm gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For your yoke is easy and my burden's light. And every week I had to get up and declare how good God, good, is, good God is and believe it. Even if I didn't have a good diagnosis. Some of us, when we get a bad diagnosis or a bad issue, we run from the father when he wants you to run to the father. Amen. Guys, if you have a minor ailment and you're feeling sick, Come If you're not going to be contagious, come on Sunday morning so you can get healed. Because that's what healing is all about. It was, not, I was on the cross. Through his stripes, we are healed. When you look at Matthew 20, 11, 28 through 30, it's three things. I had to learn because I'm, I'm a driven guy. Had to learn to live in his presence. Not just a Sunday morning every day. Had to learn to listen for his voice. Not the voice of fear, but the voice of my father. And the third thing is I had to learn from him. Those are the three things that Jesus I mean that Joseph did that got him through. He listened. He lived. And he learned. Couldn't get it from a secondhand knowledge. I had people pray for me, but I had to hear from Jesus said this is not unto death. When he said about the bag, I'm already thinking, okay, what color bag? He's talking about the color bags, and okay, now how am I gonna get ahead and look cool without a bag with a bag on? I don't know, maybe I was in shock. I don't know. I'm like, okay, so chemo. What does all that stuff look like? Do you do in the beginning of week so I can show up here on, you know, on Sunday and preach and they see me losing weight because I got to keep eating? Uh, what, do you, what does that look like? All those questions, all those things. But the biggest question was how is my family going to be? Because the one thing I did learn, I kept telling you one, 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 one. There's a, there's a scripture in Proverbs 18 to 20. I think it's 18, uh, 24. Says that uh, there's a brother that sticks closer. There's a, a friend that clicks, sticks closer than a brother. And one thing I learned about best friends, I have the greatest best friend in the world took time off her job doesn't even know anything about it and this was a month six weeks wouldn't leave my side I'm gonna go over and pick up a piece of paper I'm going with you and that gave me as we talk about Ephesians 5 about the church and, and the bride and the groom how she didn't leave my side on anything And I was totally vulnerable, and even when I was asleep, she had to take care of all the affairs, as Christ would, our lives. How Jesus does that for us when we're going through something right now. Whatever that is, as you're going through it, he's there handling all the affairs. But it all starts with me surrendering completely to him. Now, I'm not talking about intellectually, because it'll blow you up. I'm talking about a heartfelt surrender. Because then you realize what that death on the cross really meant. Not for me to be comfortable. Listen to me. Not to be comfortable, but learn how to be compassionate. Because I have to learn how to be compassionate for people. I told my, Ms. Donna last week, I got to be okay with those who just want to be a Sunday attender. Because I'm driven. I got to have the grace to know where they are and the steps that they need to take to get to a full-blown follower of Jesus, and all through, this, I had to learn all that through what I went through. I could sit in the classroom and hear it all day, but guess how God wants to get His true purposes through—the pain, the disappointment. Transitions in lives, Some of you are saying, "What is going on?" versus go to your Bible and find out the one who owns it all." Had questions. They never really got answered. except the true answer was, "Rich, come to me, and I'll give you rest daily." For your soul. In December, I got to go back for more tests. But I'm believing God. It stays clear. This is going to be the rest of my life. What I know I'm going to do for the rest of my life keep you encouraged and make God famous. Jesus said, God, use me so I can set people free. When Terry Benningfield walks in his doors, he's going to speak in a manner you've never heard him speak before because he's been there and back. And he really knows what the love of Christ looks like and feels like. And experience the love of a bride, what it really feels like. Not just on paper, but through the experience. I want to encourage you. If you walk walking with Christ to be comfortable, you're off. It's about being compassionate and compelling and compelling those who don't know Jesus to come in. Give me such a heart for those who didn't know and have the peace that Ms. Donna talked about. They are sitting outside those doors right now going through those same things I went through or even deeper than that, but they don't have a blanket. They don't have, a, they don't have an anchor for their soul, Jesus. They got all this, but they have no anchor. And the only reason why we're still around because it's an anchor. That's what Joseph had. At the end of his day, he had the anchor, which was God. And when you say it happened, God turned it for good. He walked me through it, and he'll probably walk me through some more to get his ultimate purpose out. I couldn't even sing a good song for you to convince you. You have to be the song to give it. You ready to be a Joseph for others to see and see you go through something and say, why are you so solid? Because I'm glad you asked that question. Because Jesus Christ is my anchor for my soul. It ain't about us. It's like the lady there; she was scared all by herself, sitting there. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm getting sick," and she's there, nervous without her husband, who could not handle it. So his way, his handle. I go to work and let her go by herself. Not condemning him. God put us there to help her, and the grace of God. And this last thing, I have some of our ladies, leaders come up. Some of my leaders come up for prayer. We're going to pray for those closing the day. When I met my neighbor, it's a funny story. You probably heard if you've been here long enough. He says, "Yeah, I know you." You're the guy who fell through the roof. Yeah, I'm the guy, fell through the roof. The whole neighborhood knew. Everyone knows. I still get my house fixed for free. But me falling through the roof, listen, exposed a condition I never had. I never knew I had. Didn't know I had diverticulosis the diverticulitis until I went through the roof and they had to examine me. They found some stuff. And then I did a guy thing that guys usually don't do. When you're sick, you go to the hospital. I didn't feel good. He said, I'm glad you went to the hospital so quickly. I know I'm a guy. I don't do that. I usually drink water and tea and hope I'm okay. <laughs> but all the way from 2007... God showed that area, put a, a spotlight on it, so 2014, a complete year, seven years, it's an attention. I know exactly what it is now. If I didn't fall through the roof, a lot of times you don't know you have it. Why don't we all stand? And I'm going to have Ms. Donna close us in prayer. And if you need prayer,